Welcome everybody to our weekly Torah podcast. This podcast is dedicated in the memory of Mr. and Mrs. Harold and Shirley Pasternak, Herschel Ben David, and Sima Devorah Basicheskel. Also, it should be a schus, should be a merit for all the soldiers in Eretz Yisrael who are fighting, risking their lives to be able to protect the Jewish people, and as a schus, Bezat Hashem, for the swift return of all the hostages. This week's Torah portion is Parshas Toldos. It begins the next stage, whereas last week's Parsha, we saw the entry of Yitzchak and Rivka and their marriage. This, this Parsha continues on now with Yitzchak and Rivka and the birth of their children, Yaakov and Esav. Torah tells us that Yitzchak and Rivka were childless for 20 years. And finally, after lengthy prayers, Hashem answered their prayers and Rivka conceived. Torah tells us initially that the children were, were, were struggling inside of her. She didn't realize that she was carrying twins. She sought out Hashem. I spoke to the prophet, to the Navi. And he told her that indeed she was carrying twins and that these twins would be constantly, a constant struggle between the two of them. And that one would, one would overcome the other and eventually Rav Yavot Sa'ir, the older one, would be subservient to the younger one. The Torah tells us that the first child was born when he came out. It was Kula Kadera Seir. He was very hairy and ruddy, red. They called him Vayikru Shmo Esav. They called his name Esav. And afterwards, Yatsach, his brother left, brother came out. Vyodu Achezes Ba'kev Esav. His hand was grabbing hold of to the, the heel of Esav. Vayikru Shmo Yaakov. And he called his name Yaakov. So it's interesting that the first one was born hairy and red, and they called his name Esav. The morale explains that the word, that every person's name in general in the Torah points to something about the personality or the essence of the person. In general, that's the whole concept of the idea of a name. Hashem gave the names of the animals to Adam, gave Adam, Adam the honor of naming the animals. And he named each animal according to its nature. The name of the animal expressed the essence of the human being of the of the of, excuse me of the animals that he named. And that's the way with human names also. The name describes and ex- explains the essence of the human being, and therefore, the name Asav, the Maral says, comes the word Asui. Asui means to say made, completed, because he was created as a completed creature of sorts. Yaakov was not like that. Yaakov held on to the heel of Asav striving to grow. In general, a human being is born quite helpless. And a role in life is to be able to grow, to become, to become, to mature. Asa was born on some level as Asui. He was already, he's like completed to some extent. I Meaning to say, he didn't strive towards, towards greatness. Later, the Torah tells us, when Vigdul Anarim, the children grew older, some say they were 13, some say they were 15 years old at the time. And the Torah tells us that Yaakov was cooking a pot of beans. It seems that Avram had passed away, and he's cooking beans, porridge, for his father as a, as a meal of mourners. Today we eat round foods like bagels and eggs. They eat round beans. And Esav came in from the field, who Ayef. Esav, we know, the Torah tells us, was a hunter. And he came in famished that day. And he sees Yaakov cooking the beans, cooking something on the, on, the, on the fire. 
He opens the pot and sees it's red red beans in there inside. It tells him, just pour down some of this red stuff down my throat. The Pasi tells Vayikra, that's why okay, that's why they called his name Edom. Yaakov was called Esav rather was called Edom because of the way that he referred to the beans. He didn't even take the time to say what they were, to see what they were exactly. Just give me some of that red stuff. I'm famished. Please pour it down my throat. And they called him Edom. Interestingly enough, it was this name Edom that stuck. Later, the descendants that came from him were called the nation of Edom. And ultimately, the Golis, the exile that we are presently in, is called the Golis Edom, the exile of Edom, the descendants of Esav. Why was the name changed? Why was Esav's descendant referred to by the name he was called Edom? And why is that whole exile referred to as Edom? So in the an idea of Edom implies something which was something which is red. Very his whole understanding over here was extremely superficial. He didn't even look at the food itself, just that the red stuff. Give me give me some of the red stuff. That was what marked the essence of Asav. Asav was purely taken by superficialities. He was a man of the fields, a hunter, but he didn't dig into the understand deeper understanding of anything. It was primarily just externalities. He was taken by the externalities. The Chassam Sofer indeed says that when he was a child, they saw the distinction between Asav and Yaakov insofar as the fact that Asav was mature immatured physically, and Yaakov had not immatured physically. But when they became adults, at that time Yaakov also matured, so how were they able to see the distinction between Yaakov and Esav? That's why he was called Edom. At that time, the, the, his superficial nature is what marked him, and they saw the distinction between Yaakov and Esav. Esav, Yaakov, was the Ishtam Yoshev Oholim, the simple man that sat in the tents. Rashi tells us it refers to sitting in the tents of Torah study. He dedicated his life to study, Torah study for the first part of his life, at least, till he went out to Lovan to be able to get married and worked for Lovan, the fields of Lovan. But initially it was the, the Ishtam Yoshev Ohalim, men that dug deep into understanding of Torah. Whereas Esav remained a superficial person, Yaakov was the one that was that put the more of the focus on the pinimius, on the inner essence of the world around us. Indeed, the Medrash tells us that while still in the womb, Yaakov and Esav are struggling, the Medrash tells us they were struggling over the worlds. Yaakov wanted Olam Habo, and he told, and Esav took the Olam Hazeh. They split the two worlds, as it were. Esav took this world, and Yaakov took the world to come. That's a little bit different, difficult to understand. What is, how can they, how can they make a deal regarding Olam Habo it's not theirs to be able to split. First they say, I give you my portion of the world to come. How can you give it? It's not yours. The Almighty might be putting it away for you as a reward for you, but you can't give it away to somebody else. Blaib Chasman says a beautiful insight. He explains it with the means of a mushal analogy. He said there was a, a, an artist who wanted to paint, paint a picture of nature. So he lived in the city himself. There really wasn't much to paint over there. So he went to the farmlands and he asked the farmer, would you mind if I stayed with you for a few days? I'll pay for my room, my board. And if you'd, I want to be able to just take a, to, to paint a picture of nature. 
So certainly not a problem. So then the, then the artist asked the farmer, can you tell me, show me something that you think would be worthwhile for me to paint? He says, you want a beautiful field? Come here, I'll show you my most beautiful field. It takes him to the back, and he sees a, a beautiful field of grain, of wheat, big, thick kernels of grain growing beautifully. He says, how's this for a field, for a picture of nature? And the artist looked at it, he says, there's nothing to paint of here, it's all boring. It's just like one big blur of yellow. There's nothing for me to paint. So the, part, the, the, so the farmer tells him, okay, come over here, I'll show you my field over here that didn't really grow that well. And he takes him a different field that the, the grains itself, the field itself had been damaged, it seemed, by some kind of an insect. And the, 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 the grains themselves were only were somewhat dog-eared and they weren't really, they weren't really beautiful sheaves. And the artist saw him and says, oh, this is beautiful. This is something worthwhile painting. You can see all the differences between different types of different grains and different and the, the background. What was beautiful to the farmer was not necessarily so to the artist because we're looking at two different things. The farmer defined beauty by the type of grain that he'd be able to make into, into flour and be able to sell in the marketplace. The, the artist, on the other hand, his idea of beauty was something that he'd be able to, to, be able to, to depict on his canvas with paint. It didn't make a difference to him how it tasted, one way or another. To him, the most important thing was, is it something that I could take and I could transpose onto, onto the canvas? Similar idea over here, too, Rebbe Chasman explains. It's not a matter of selling a portion of the world to come. It's how they looked at life in this world, Yaakov and Esav. Esav looked at this world as something which is purely physical. Ace looked at this world as something that, what can I get out of this world? All oh, the pleasure that I want to be able to get out of this world. When Yaakov sold him his birthright for a pot of beans, the Torah tells by Yochav, by Yesht, he ate and he drank and he got up and he went by Yivazas of and disgraced the birthright because he showed the only thing that was important to him was the pleasure in this world. The red stuff, he wants to eat the red stuff, give me something to drink. I want to enjoy life in this world as much as I possibly can. Matter of fact, he says words to Yaakov, Behold, I'm going to die anyway. What I need the birthright for. The way Esav looked at this world was, I want to be able to chaperine. I want to be able to get as much pleasure as I possibly can before I leave this world. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. If Mordechai Gifter, the Rashiva tells, used to say how he was once on an airplane with several other passengers, and the plane suddenly hit turbulence, and it started started shaking tremendously. It was frightening. So the the voice on the cockpit told everybody, the pilot told everybody to make sure that they buckle up carefully because there it's going to be a bit of a bumpy ride. He said, a few rows up, he heard a man shouting for the stewardess, "Stewardess, please quickly give me another drink. If we're going to go down, I want to be able to enjoy another drink before we go down." Gifter said that was this person's outlook on life. Eat, drink, eat, be merry, for tomorrow we may die. That's Esav. That's Edom, the man, the red one. The one that only looked at, at superficialities. Life was gauged, life was measured, but what kind of pleasure can I possibly get out of life? Yaakov viewed life totally differently. Yaakov, even in this world, Yaakov looked at this world insofar as an Olam Haba type of an eye. What was important in this world was the, was the birthright 
the goal, the idea of the spiritual gains to be gained to be for being a successor to Yitzchak. When it says they decided to change, they, they would exchange worlds. He took Olam Abba and Esav took Olam Hazer. That doesn't mean literally sent, literally speaking. It means to say how they viewed this world. Esav viewed this world as Olam Hazer, as pure externalities, superficialities. Whereas Yaakov viewed this world as opportunities to be able to gain a portion of the world to come. Everything do in this world, he had one eye, is will, will this bring me closer? Will this bring me, gain me a greater, a greater understanding, a greater appreciation in an afterlife in the spiritual realm, the spiritual world? That's how the difference between how Yaakov viewed this world, how Esav viewed this world. You can tell a lot in the name. The name of Esav itself showed how, how he viewed things, red. Everything was, was depicted by color. Specifics, the details didn't make much of a difference. It was red. That's how he viewed, that's how he viewed everything in the world. Yaakov viewed it much more acutely. He analyzed, he had a much deeper input, a much deeper appearance, the teacher analysis of, of this world. The pleasures of this world were not just intended for the purpose of pleasure in and of themselves. The pleasure, this is where the Jew views pleasure, as a means to be able, to be able to enjoy, to be able to gain a greater appreciation of the Kodesh Baruch of the Almighty. It's not the Jewish religion doesn't say we're supposed to abstain from the pleasures of this world. But through the pleasures of this world, we gain a greater appreciation of the Almighty. A greater appreciation of what He does for us, a greater appreciation of His capabilities, greater thanksgiving to the Almighty for everything that He's given to us, all the, the wonders that He's done for mankind. But it's an opportunity to be able to come closer to reconnect to the Almighty, to be able to connect to HaKadosh Baruch to the Almighty. The names that they were given to him, by Yikru Shmo Esav, they called his name Esav. Esav, can we say everybody outside can see Esav? Because Esav saw the world for what it was. By Yikru Shmo Yaakov, he called his name Yaakov. Yitzchak, the father, called his name Yaakov. Yaakov's appreciation of the deeper appreciation of life the inner dimension of life is not something everybody else could relate to. That was something that Yaakov had an appreciation for. Yitzchak had an appreciation for it. Yitzchak saw exactly what Yaakov was all about. But Yitzchak, he called his name Yaakov because he was holding on to the heel of Esav, constantly striving for greater heights in order to be able to achieve, in order to be able to benefit from this world, what this world has to offer. Have a great week, everybody, and Brothers Hashem will be together again next week. Ever think about starting your own podcast? The Maverick Podcasting Network makes creating and running your podcast easy and fun. Visit maverickpodcasting.com to get started today.